hey, good morning. Uh, we are excited to be wrapping up this series, Love Without Walls, and we're talking about changing the world. So uh, if you have your outlines, grab those outlines. If you need a Bible, we have some Bibles that even if you don't have a Bible of, to call your very own to, to hold and cherish and cuddle with at night, you can take this Bible home with you and put your name in it. Uh, we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 10, and we are going to be continuing in our theme of humble servants filled with compassion change the world. It's this countercultural idea. The world says something else. The world will tell you that other things really change the world. The world will tell you that, that you have to have strength and you know, military power or these other things. And we've been talking about the reality is it's, it's, act, it's different. If you want to change the world for good, it's, it's a different idea. And, and today we're talking about a different, a different concept. Here's the thing. Anytime you want to change something in your life, in your family, in your home, in your workplace, you're, you're fighting against this idea of inertia. You know what inertia is? Isaac Newton talked about inertia. He said, every object continues in its current state of rest or uniform motion in a straight line unless it is compelled to change that state by forces impressed upon it. So inertia teaches us that your life will keep going in the direction that it is going unless there is some force that is as strong or stronger that shifts the course. So the principle of the path is that you are on a path right now. You are on a trajectory. You are making decisions that is sending your life in some, in some direction, and you will keep going on that path unless... Something forces you off of it, unless you make decisions to go in a different way. So you might not know the end result of the decisions that you're making, but inertia will keep you going in that direction. So if you want to change something in your life, a habit that has you stuck in a pattern that you know is destructive, some kind of thing in your family dynamic that it might not feel like that big of a deal today, but down the road, the, the path that it's on could be destructive in your family Maybe it's in your business, in your company, or in your industry. You're trying to change things. You're trying to turn around a business. Or maybe it's what we're talking about collectively together, changing our community, changing the world around us one life at a time. You have to take into account this idea of inertia, that your life is going in this direction. You think certain ways. You are doing certain things just out of routine and habit, and you have to shake that up. Otherwise, inertia will continue to take you in that direction. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Think about the inertia of a high school campus. we got some of our high school studs up in front. I say studs because they're just men. Are you in high school too? All right, and women. Thanks. Way to go. Way to be here. I, the second row, it's so good. See, I, my spitting, if I get really going, it doesn't get that far. It's just right here, so you're safe. High school inertia uh, you know, what, what, what is it? We, we've got the inertia of cool versus uncool, right? It's, high school is full of cliques, and this group versus this group, and this group doesn't hang out with this group. The inertia of high school is like that. The inertia of high school leads to uh, lots of bullying. We see this as a, there's a bullying epidemic in our culture right now. We have this tragedy that just happened in, I, I, a week or 10 days ago with this girl, Amanda Todd. Have you seen her in the news? Amanda Todd was bullied through her, through her young life, and she, like, cyber-bullied. She, she, she made some bad decisions, and they came back to haunt her, and an older guy was bullying her and bribing her on the Internet, and 
people were cruel and rude to her, and her dad wasn't paying attention. And she, 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 had, she filmed herself on YouTube, and she just told her story via cards about how, how her life was hopeless, how she had been rejected, how she couldn't go on anymore. And she committed suicide a, a little while later. And our culture... I mean, there are people that saw that, saw this tragedy, saw that she died, and we're still commenting on it and still bullying her and still just being cruel. We live in a broken society, and this inertia of our culture is going in that direction. Even at that young age of 15, there is hopelessness. Now, Claremont High School, circa 1997, 1998, 1998, I had just graduated. My brother is the captain of the football team in the high school. My brother has a free period. He has a free period his, his junior and senior year. And for his free period, the inertia, the normal thing, the common practice, the regular thing that people did in high school at Claremont High School was to use their free period and go home and eat food, at, you know, at two o'clock. I had lunch an hour later, but I'm hungry again because I'm a hormonal teenager. And so they went home or they went to 21 Choices or they went to the beach or they did these other things. That was the thing that people did. My brother chose, my brother chose to be a teacher's assistant in a special ed class. Now, that wasn't even, you know, as the quarterback of the football team, the football coach also coached, he was also a PE teacher, and he wanted my brother to be his TA. Well, my brother said, no, 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 I think, I think I'm supposed to do this. I just have this sense that I'm supposed to be a, a teacher's assistant in the special ed class. So my brother built this relationship with these kids in the special ed class. And over time, the relationship became a friendship. And on, on Fridays before game days, you could see my brother in his jersey, because they all wore their jersey on game days, pushing wheelchairs around this campus at Claremont High School. And then he worked it out on a Friday night to get a bus to take these kids with their in special needs, wheelchairs, the whole deal, a special bus to take them to the football game because most of them had never seen a football game before. And he, lined, he had them lined up in the back of the end zone so they got to see their buddy Josh play football for the first time. I, some of you I've told this story too, but I'm, I'm going to tell you again because it gets even better after this. He graduated from high school. And... He built a relationship with one girl in particular named Adriana. And Adriana would call the house, and she would call my mom. And, Mom, Adriana, no, Josh has graduated. He's playing football now at Wheaton College in Illinois. And, and he'll be back soon for, you know, from, from break. And, and so he, and then my mom would call Josh and be like, hey, you should probably call Adriana. She calls the house, like, every other day. And you might want to, like, just check in on her. So Josh does, and he checks in on her. He comes back after, because in college, you, you know, you finish in, like, May. He comes back at the end of school, and Adriana calls him at the house. And Adriana says, in a, in a language that I can't understand, that only Josh could understand, she, she says, do you know that I have, you know, there's a, there's a prom at the high school. And, and she says, I want to go to my prom. And Josh, oh, really? I, and Josh t tells me, like, I didn't even know she knew the prom existed. And, she, and he, he says, yeah, you know, you should go to your prom. That's, that's cool. And, and she goes, I want to go with you. So Josh, the guy who was the star of the football team and now who is quarterbacking in college, comes back to his high school and takes Adriana to the prom. I got to drive them in the blue Suburban <laughs> with the wheelchair in the back. 
and I dropped them off in downtown Long Beach at some ballroom thing. And we were a few minutes late, and, and I, you know, Josh picked her up, put her in the wheelchair, and I watched him push her down the way, open up the big ballroom doors, and I got to stand there and watch as my brother pushed this wheelchair into this hall, and I got to see through the doors as people lined up and celebrated this incredible moment in Claremont High School's history. And I will tell you, if you go to Claremont High School today, you will see that that inertia has shifted. You will see not just one person, you will see many people on Fridays in football jerseys pushing wheelchairs. Because someone made a decision to not go with the flow, but to do something different to make a change, to make one simple decision that would have a repercussion over many people and now still over many years in a place like a high school. Matthew 10. That's what, what do you do when you get like emotional in your opening story? And you're just like, <laughs> great. Matthew 10. Jesus as we think about how we are going to change the world today, humble servants, as we talked about, filled with compassion, there are two elements that we need to identify today. One is this idea of authority. The other is action. It is authority that leads us to action. Look at verse 10, or chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal disease and sickness. Jesus is operating under the ultimate authority. Look at the verse right above it in Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus said to them, came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. So Jesus is giving all authority. He has all authority in the universe and he is now passing it on to his disciples. The disciples chose to come under Jesus' authority and now he is giving them his authority. And we're not, talking about, we're not talking about just a simple authority like a principal would give someone at a, at a high school. We're talking about all the authority on earth and in heaven. All authority. Authority, you know, by definition is, is uh, in your notes, it says right, the right to command, the power given to somebody, source of reliable information, all these things. So authority is passed on. Authority is awarded. And Jesus doesn't leverage his own authority to do crazy, you know, oppressive things for himself. He gives it away. And he gives it to his disciples. Now, the, the idea of authority is common because we know that in, in a home, the parents have authority over the kids, hopefully. <laughs> I don't know what your house looks like. Hopefully, parents are in a, in a role of authority with their children. In a classroom, a teacher ha has the role of authority over the kids in the classroom. In, in a workplace, the boss has the authority. In our, in our community here, there are city officials, there are government officials, and we submit to those authorities. If you are under the authority of someone else, it means that you are accountable to that authority. That means you are you are submitting to the authority of the company that you work for, of the business place, so that you can be paid, you do your job. That's how authority works. When authority goes badly, a lack of authority brings chaos. That's why even, like, even if a CEO of a company, he still answers to a board of directors, right? 
Even I answer to Kenton Beshore, the senior pastor of Mariners. Kenton Beshore answers to a board. Because you look at any dictatorship, those don't go well, right? Absolute authority corrupts absolutely. So we put ourselves under someone else's authority, and we are accountable to that authority. And even that person is accountable to authority. And so this is, this is the kind of way that it works out in this human dynamic. And, and when there's not authority, we have things like disrespect, dishonor, and a lack of authority brings chaos. It brings utter chaos, where authority brings order. So let me read this again. Jesus called the 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits. Authority ignites ability. In your notes, I have some fill-ins. I don't always use fill-ins. I use fill-ins sometimes just because literally when you write something down, you are more likely to remember it. And when I tell you, hey, this is a fill-in, and you see it on the screen, you're more likely to get your pen and write it down. Otherwise, some of you I know are already thinking fantasy football scores, and you're tempted, I know who you are, to check it on your phone. So, so note this, that authority ignites ability. In other words... Now Jesus gives them the capacity, his disciples, the capacity to do what he has been doing. He gives them the power to go and heal the sick. He gives them the power to meet people in their need and to meet people in their pain and to demonstrate that there is an invisible authority, a God authority, that is over more bigger than any authority in the world. And that authority draws out in these people things that they didn't know they had. He draws out in them things that, that he put in them that they didn't realize were there. It ignites ability. So we gather together as a church, right? We gather as a church, and we as a church are a revolutionary entity in our culture. We still willingly submit to the authorities that have been placed around us, the, the city authorities that tell us that we have to fill out a particular form before we can ever have a bounce house again in the parking lot, right? We submit to that authority. We will fill out the form. But we also get together here and we remind each other that we are about an authority that is bigger than all authorities. It is the ultimate authority on earth and in heaven. We rally here together and we remember that God has given us this authority, this authority that brings hope and healing in the lives of people. When you come under God's authority, all of a sudden you realize that you have more abilities than you, than you thought you did. When you come under God's authority, he will use you in ways that will surprise you. And you will think, I, he's, he's, he's doing this through me? Because when we come under his authority, it ignites, it ignites something in us that only he can do. Verse 2, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go to, among the Gentiles or to any town of the Samar or to the Samarians, Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Note this. The authority is also given uniquely. It's given 
It, it, it draws out ability, and it's given uniquely. He, he made sure that each person's name is noted in the Bible. He's very in particular about noting that these are the disciples. These are their names. This is their brother. This is the person. He's particular about making sure that we know that these are particular people in a particular space. And he gives them specific instructions. He gives them specific instructions on how he wants them to carry out this work. So think about the when Jesus called for the first disciples. Some of them were fishermen. And he said, hey, fishermen, come and follow me, and I will make you, what, fishers of men. Not, not, hey, fishermen, come and follow me, and I will make you an accountant, right? He knew who these people were, and he leveraged their experience, how he has wired them, to then go and do something else, something, something more, now that they are under his authority, now that they are operating on his behalf. You follow? So some of you are br- brilliant business people, And when you bring yourself under God's authority, when you submit your life to God, he is probably not going to tell you to go and be an artist on the pier in in Huntington Beach. He is probably going to leverage the brilliant mind and the business savvy that he has put in you and give you specific instructions for who you already are. When you come under his Authority, when you are acting on his behalf, he will take the way he has wired you uniquely and he will use that now for the good of others. And then it goes on in verse 7. As you, pro- as you go, proclaim this message, he tells his disciples. Proclaim this message that the kingdom of heaven has come near. In other words, God has come. His kingdom from heaven is now playing out on earth. Verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. No big deal, right? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So the next thing is authority is given freely. It's grace. It's given to you freely. You can't earn it. In our culture, in this world, all authority is based on what you have earned. All positions, all, anything that you aspire to is based on earning that place. You have to work a certain amount of time to get that plaque on your wall. You have to put in the effort, pass the tests, whatever else, to get the badge, to get the corner office, whatever. All other authority is based on you earning it. But the authority that God gives, you cannot earn. You cannot earn it. It is grace. How many of you are excited about the Les Mis movie that's coming out later this year? Right? So Les Mis, if you don't know the story, there is this criminal named Jean Valjean. Did I say that right, Graham? No, okay, thank you. Jean Valjean. And he is, he's, he's been in prison. He's a, he's a known criminal. And he gets out of prison, and he's wandering, and he's, it, it's, it's, I think it's pouring down rain, and he has nowhere to go. So he goes to a church, and he asks if he can have a bed to sleep in, if he can have some food. And so the minister takes him in, gives him a, a warm meal and a warm bed to sleep in. Jean Valjean, this known criminal, now takes advantage of the minister's generosity and he robs them blind. He steals, like, all the valuable silver and, you know, uh, everything out of the cabinets. He's digging through rifles, and he fills his bag with all this valuable stuff, and he leaves, right? And then the, the, the authorities in that day, the, the police 
officials, they find him. They see that he's got this stuff. They know he's stolen it. And so they bring him back to the church. They knock on the door. They tell the minister, look what we found. We found this guy who's stolen all this stuff. Here, you can have it back. And the minister does something that's insane. He says, oh, no, 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 no. He didn't steal that. In fact, Jean Valjean, I, I intended for you to take more. And he takes like the uh, other valuable things, candle holders, other things of silver and gold, and he grabs them and he throws them in his bag and he pats them on the head and whispers something to the effect of, don't forget this. And that incident changes this dude's life forever, changes that grace, changes the trajectory of his life, and he goes on to be a great man. Why? Because he received something that he couldn't earn. He received that kind of grace. Now, friends, we have received or we can receive that kind of grace from God, a grace that we cannot earn. And it's that authority that he gives us. It's, it's a position where the God of the universe who is over everything looks at you, knows you, calls you uniquely, and says, freely I give you this gift. I want you to work on my behalf. You can't earn this. In fact, you've earned something altogether different and worse and terrible, but I give you this gift of grace and that you can now be used by me in changing this world. Freely, we have received, and so we freely give that same grace. Keep going in verse 9. The next thing we do is authority is lived simply. Look at, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you on your belts, no bag for the journey, no extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay in their house until you leave. Live simply. There's a couple in our rooted group right now. He's been very successful in business. And yet he has been feeling, he and his wife have been feeling in these past few months that they are supposed to get rid of most of their stuff. They're not sure why. They just have this sense that they have too much and it's time to unload. So they have been like Craigslist commanders. They're just unloading stuff on Craigslist every week and they've sold half, literally half of their belongings. I know someone else who... God told them to do that a long time ago, and they didn't know why they were doing it, and then God asked them to make a move very shortly after that. Many of you have been forced into a situation where you have had to downsize, right? There's many people that have lost jobs, lost houses. We've been forced into a situation where we have less stuff, and we're probably better for it. Because when we are saddled with stuff, when we are saddled with debt, we can't respond when God says to do something. When we have too much stuff hanging and weighing us down and he, and he says to go do this or go do this or be generous in this way, we can't because we have mortgaged ourselves to the gills and we have no bandwidth, no flexibility. And so Jesus, when he sends out his 12 disciples, he says, go simply. Don't take extra stuff. Don't take extra money. Don't worry about the future. I've got you. I've got you covered. You're operating on my behalf. Go. I will take care of the details. Go and live simply. Authority that Jesus gives to his disciples is also used 
wisely. Verse 16 says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Have you heard that phrase before? I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. What does that mean? There's a lot there, but the point, the point is simply this. Uh, humble and compassionate, operating on behalf of God, does not, it doesn't mean stupid and soft, right? There is still a, a craftiness. Snakes are crafty and strategic, while doves are pure and innocent. That's why people release doves at weddings, right? Because it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. They're just, they're just pretty. They, they don't do anything. They're just like, they're just innocent and pure and nice. And so, and so there's this tension that we always live in, right? Jesus sends them out and says, be like snakes and doves. Be strategic and yet pure. So you have an agenda when I send you out, he says, but your agenda is pure, Who's going to argue with or feel manipulated by your agenda, which is to serve, which is to love liberally, which is to give generously, which is to heal people, which is to offer hope and compassion? Yes, you have an agenda. Be strategic about it. Reach as many people as you can, and yet your agenda is pure. Your heart is pure. Your motive is pure. You're not pushing some, some weird agenda. You're, you're on my agenda. We come humbly and we serve. And then lastly, this authority that Jesus gives us is embraced fearlessly. Look at verse 26. It says, do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known what i tell you in the dark speak in the daylight what is whispered in your ear proclaim from the roofs do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell are not two sparrows sold for a penny yet none of them will fall outside of your father's care even the very hairs on your head are numbered so don't be afraid. We're talking about the God of the universe who has all authority on earth and in heaven, and he knows the hairs on your head. For some of you, he knows the hairs on your back too. You know, I think he's got this whole, he, he gets it. He knows you intimately. He, there is nothing that he doesn't understand. He has all authority, and he knows you intimately. He will provide for you. He will take care of you. Yes, some sparrows, sparrows don't live forever. Sparrows eventually die, but he knows when they do. You will go through hard times. We will eventually die, but he knows. He knows there is nothing for you to fear. He knows what you will go through, what you will experience as you love others. He knows that certain people are not going to treat you well when you try to love them. He knows that you're going to try to do something under his authority and for him, and it might not work. He's there with you. He knows He knows that you're going to have tragedy, strike, that there's pain, that there's hard things in life, and he's in it with you. You can live fearlessly. You can walk this out fearlessly. And once you understand that you can come under this God's authority, this God who is the authority above every authority, and that he freely gives you the grace to walk with him, to know him, once you get there, what else is there? Once you understand that this God, this ultimate authority, 
came as a man in the form of Jesus, was born in a barn, lived a very regular life, was even killed for our sake so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could have this relationship with him. Once you get that he came as the ultimate authority of all of the universe and he subjected himself and let religious leaders put him to death, and died, and then was raised again, and left everybody wondering, do we know anything about anything? This, this creator God just, just died, raised from the dead, and literally like floated back into heaven, and said, now go a be about my business. Do what I have been doing. This humble approach to revolutionary world change. And everyone's standing there like, we don't know anything about anything anymore. I mean, this changes everything. This humble servant filled with compassion changed the world this way, and now we are under his authority, and he's working out his story through us. Everything else at that time was called into question, and that is the story that we still are invited into today. Have you surrendered to God's authority? Have you come under his authority? Is there an area of your life that you want to bring under his authority today? Do you know what it means to have a relationship with this God? And if so, if you're in that spot where you're saying yes, do you know what your next move is? Because once you understand who you are serving, there is the simple next step is just to act. Jesus sent out 12. He worked through 12. He used 12 to change the world. How about we just start with one? Is there one person that God would bring to your mind, bring to your heart, bring right now that he, he would say, I want you to love this person. I want you to be humble and compassionate on behalf of this person. I want you to love this person on my behalf. Would you, would you start with one? You remember the the story of the woman who's down by the seashore and there's all these starfish that are out there and she's just chucking them back into the water and then some guy who's a punk comes up and says, hey, what are you doing? That's dumb. You're wasting your time. Look, you're never going to be able to save all these seashores. You're not going to make a difference. And she picks one up and throws it in and says, I just made a difference for that one. <laughs> Start with one. Like Jairus, our worship leader, coaching T-ball, making a difference, just a handful of kids, and one family in particular that he feels like their family is imploding, and he feels like he's there for that one family. Or how about another story from my rooted group where, where someone needed to get home to visit their daughter and granddaughter who, they, who won't talk to her anymore, and someone in our group paid for them to, to make that flight because she couldn't afford it. Or how about Grandma Pat, my wife's grandma, who serves food to homeless people on Monday mornings, every Monday morning, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal, right? You're just serving food to, food to homeless people. But when you do it every Monday for 30 years, do you think that's making an impact? Or how about the gift bags that the, that the girls from the Divine Ministry give to strippers in strip clubs? Do you think that maybe one or more of those girls might have her heart touched and might 
be led to God as a result of that generosity? Or how about our elders of this church who stand out there and pray for you every single week? Who any one of you, if you ever have anything that you need prayed for, they are there waiting and wanting to pray for you. And one of these elders was praying with someone just a few weeks ago and realized that they had a practical need. He dropped off a washing machine at their house later that day because they needed a washing machine. What is the one next step? Once you understand who this God is, that he has freely given you the ability to operate with him, you can take a simple action on behalf of one person. That's where it starts. I will, I will do these things. We will be a community of these things. It just starts with one. Some of you, though, might need to just come under God's authority for the first time. And it's not a scary authority. It's the most generous, loving kind of authority that you can imagine. A God who freely gives his grace. So would you pray with me? And I'm going to invite you, if, if you know that you need to have a relationship with this God, I just want you to pray in your own spirit that that would happen. I, and the rest of you, I just want you to ask that God would make it clear, what is my step? What is the thing that I am to do? God, what would you have me to do in this time, in this place? God, would you speak to us? For those of us that are here today that, that know that our life has gone sideways or we have, we have been our own authority and we want to turn and we want to submit our lives to you, maybe again or maybe for the first time, I pray that you would give us the courage, that you would show us yourself. And if that's you today, just, just pray. Just say, yes, God, forgive me for doing my own thing. I want to come under your authority. Teach me what that means. And for the rest of us, God, give us a clear picture of what it looks like to walk with you, to let you live out your life through us. And maybe just starting with one person this week.